0: Welcome to episode 54 of the Half Point First Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riddick, joined as always by co-host Dalton Willie and producer Johnny Fam. Guys, we've got we've got a good show today. Dalton, after much confusion, has three compelling storylines from the AFC he's gonna talk about.
1: From the
2: AFC?
0: Yep, from the AFC. He
1: never confirmed he d- was oh, doing AFC, right, so I'm well, quite concerned still. If, well, we're going to find out if I know what team's in what division then. If, this
0: episode. If, well, that's true. We did have that mishap on who's that Pokemon a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, actually, that may have been Johnny, not you. So no, was it was me. It's, it's, a, it's a whole pod issue because I'm sure I've probably done it too. But, yeah, so we've got that. It's either going to be three from the AFC, three from the NFC, or all six from the NFC. We'll see what Dalton actually did. Um. And we've got who's that Pokemon, Dalton? Did you bring us three three guys for who's that Pokemon today? I brought two. I thought we were doing two a piece. Wow, I've got three. Dalton's got two for who's that Pokemon. But before we get to all that, guys, just a little little update. Uh, how's everybody doing tonight?
2: I am doing excellent. I have this. I have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off from work, so must be nice. getting a lot of errands caught up. Things. Wait, you know, wait
1: like Wednesday, this week wait, or next? Wait, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Today?
0: Yeah, as in t- I did not work today. That is correct. So, did you just lie about having to give a presentation while being distracted talking about our timeout? Well, that was, Tuesday. S- we were oh, discussing that was this. yesterday. That was um, yesterday. Okay. So,
2: no, I did not. Uh, but, no, I have the time off. But, it, you know, you just look forward to taking time off. When you were a kid you know no school meant a lot of fun and i was like i'm gonna play so much call of duty today and i ended up running errands for like four hours and then i got home and i was like i don't even want to play video games anymore i just
0: want to cook so dinner and go to bed I well and then like for for me it's like uh if if i'm taking time off i'm concerned about number one getting a bunch of stuff done before i go number two how much i'm gonna have to do when i get back and I, I had Veterans Day off last week, spent like half of that raking. So to your point. Uh, yeah, shores, and then I get texts from coworkers
2: asking me questions. And
0: now time <laughs> off doesn't even feel like time off anymore. <laughs> Which, speaking of raking, so complaint uh, on my end today. I, I spent about, I would say, 10 minutes of my lunch break. I came home to today's trash day in my neighborhood. I came home, um, it, it was trash day and yard waste day. So I had like probably... We just have like those paper bags. You can buy it like the hardware store, you know, that are like,
2: eh,
0: like two, three feet tall. We had like six of those that were completely full of leaves and had them all out near the trash can. No differently than anybody else on the block. So the guy comes and picks up the trash. Apparently sets our trash can down. When he did that, it ripped one of the bags clear down the side. So I got to spend about 10 minutes when I should have been eating lunch. Uh, putting that back together while I was home. So it's it's been an exciting day uh, in Lawrence.
2: Uh, that is just miserable. <laughs> uh, and that is
0: like classic old man problems, but I was really annoyed.
2: All the more why the home ownership dream in America is dead. <laughs> and on this episode of Half Point Per Podcast, we're going to talk about that. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay. Johnny, you have something to,
1: something to add to that? I was gonna say my I'm doing great. I'm riding a two game win streak right now in yep. our dynasty league and no longer in last place. So I'm uh, I'm riding this high and hopefully I can uh take down some armadillos this week and just uh just bury them in the ground. That's my goal. You've, we do not def-
2: advocate violence against animals on this podcast. <laughs> You've okay. definitely got
0: you've definitely got a shot cause the armadillos are looking like they might not have any active running backs or receivers at the at this point <laughs> with the way things are looking this week but but yeah, Dalton, you know what? We'll jump right into who's that Pokemon. Um, I'll go first since I brought three, you brought two um, so i' I'll, I'll get my first out of the way. but of course, actually, you know what before you even get to who's that Pokemon, I jumped the gun. I wanted to talk about two quick topics first Odell Beckham jr. We didn't talk about him at all last week because it was like a, it was like a day after we podcasted, he, he signed with the Rams. He went two catches for 18 yards played. I don't have the snap counts, but very few snaps as someone who was cheering for Odell to not score any points last week and have it worked out. It was thrilling every time they lined up and he wasn't on the field. What do you make of, of his debut and, I'm assuming you think better days are ahead, but like, just how good do you think it can be for Odell on the Rams this year? Well, first and foremost, in
2: just an incredibly crazy turn of events is that he is signed, and then the same day he assigned signed, Robert Woods tears his ACL. Practice. Yeah, in practice. Um, I want to know where uh, Odell Beckham Senior was during that practice, just <laughs> for Appar- apparently Woods
0: was, was uh, from what McVay said, just like running a route and just yeah. planted wrong, yeah.
2: Incredibly unfortunate, but like you said, a very uninspiring start. But then again, he was signed like four days before the game was played. Yeah. He only ran a route on 25% of the Rams pass attempts, so he really wasn't out there to do much. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to say. I think he is going to continue to play better. And I'm excited to see if whether or not he just takes over the Robert Rudd's role or if he gets some more deep targets and they move Van Jefferson around because I feel like Odell would do a lot better in a over-the-top player for this offense but that's to find out that's I would true, probably but, have but like, like a
0: low end wide receiver three rest of season when you think back to Odell's like best days in New York this was maybe partially due to Eli Manning's own limitations but like when you think of Odell in New York you think of oh, this guy would house like 10 yard slants on on a regular basis it Is it was his like number one quality so maybe he he can do some of that Robert Woods stuff and yeah I'm I, I'm with you in that it's hard to really take too much away from this game. Cause like you said, he hardly ran any routes and then they just got down by so much. And I think they probably would have tried to, to game plan a little bit more to them if they were in control of this game. Like they probably should have been or not because of how they play, but just like just team team team, the team they're better than the 49ers. Like they should, that should, that was ridiculous how badly they got beaten down.
2: Yeah. I mean, night truly surprising that the 49ers after getting swamped by the Cardinals and Colt McCoy uh, came out and played a better game and I mean the game plan for the 49ers was to
0: keep it out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. And apparently everyone but the Rams was aware of that fact yeah. because they just let Elijah Mitchell run the ball all the time and have it work a lot of the time.
2: Yeah but I mean at the end of the day I just I can't see Odell taking away these intermediate targets and Probably the Robert Woods in, in, injury to anybody is probably just gonna make Cooper Cup even more valuable. Mm-hmm. I I mean Tyler Higby and Van Jefferson are around. They're not really big profiles for fantasy football. They get theirs here and there. I just I can't see Odell Beckham being an exploit. I just don't think he is what he used to be, if we're being
0: honest. Yeah, I feel like all of the all of the film guys who I've seen talk about him this year though still said like he, he may not be like the old Odell, but like he Still looks pretty good, like he's it's not like he's washed, it's not like we have uh, this guy's a shelf himself, yeah. Situation. Well, I mean, Deshaun
2: Jackson even looked good in, in his limited time with the Rams, so they could definitely game plan for him. But I mean, going forward, I think it's just going to be hit or
0: miss on his weeks, he's not going to be consistent, yeah. And I think if someone is taking from this week, like oh, like this, like Van Jefferson clearly ahead of Odell, it's like, like you said. And then, like we've said, he was only there for a couple days. They got down. They probably would have um, featured him a little bit more had they actually been in control of this game. But instead, they're behind. They're playing two-minute drill. They're playing hurry-up. And when you're playing hurry-up, you've got to have, like, plays loaded. And when he doesn't know the offense yet, that's just an impossible situation for a guy who's so new. And then, like, they were in the red zone for what felt like about 25 plays late in the game. And he was in for, like, one or two of them. And it's like, you know – If the And I understand why, because the timing has got to be great between quarterback and receiver in the red zone when you're throwing in those tight windows. So I think it's going to be a battle between he and Van Jefferson, who's going to be the two in that offense. I'm not ready to hand it to either of those guys really right now. I'd say they're both like top top 40 type of guys is kind of what I'm
2: thinking. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think there's just going to be a lot of rotation between the two of them. I mean, it really feels like that Odell was a playoff signing that they think he's going to click in the playoffs, and that's really when this offense is going to take off. Uh, and going forward, it's you're going to be waiting. I mean, hopefully out of the bye, we see Odell featured in this offense, and then you can trust him going into your fantasy playoffs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so now the team that was left for dead, Dalton, left for dead, the Kansas City Chiefs. Are they back? For anyone on the YouTube, I've got a got a quick little surprise for you. Hang on there. I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh. I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get that. It's on our TikTok, if, if anyone hasn't seen it yet. I had to get that loaded up on the stream. That's why I tweeted the link out so early. If anyone noticed, I had the link out by, like, 6.30 because I was doing that about an hour and a half, two
1: hours <laughs> Did ago. not expect that at all, and <laughs> that was I great.
0: I didn't want to tell you guys to see to see your reactions. But, yeah, the Chiefs, I think they've got their swagger back. As, as Travis Kelsey said, they just dismantled uh, the Raiders on Sunday night football and if you bought low on the Chiefs Dalton I'm sure you've got to be thrilled at this point right
2: yeah I mean last week we were saying Patrick Mahomes is someone you should run to to pick up and buy as quickly as you can because his owners were probably upset with him he ends up the week as the QB1 overall five touchdowns 400 over 400 passing yards I mean mm-hmm. absolutely electric day we've talked about on this podcast before and in person but this Chiefs team probably has two bad games under their belt, and the rest of their game's been pretty close. And mm-hmm. again, this team's gonna get better out of the bye. They have one more game, and they're gonna play the bye, and you're going to get that full fledged Chiefs offense. Travis Kelsey was back to his usual form. Tyreek Hill looked great, and Darrell Williams channeled his inner Calvin Johnson for that last
1: catch
0: in the game. <laughs> well, and it seemed like so. It, a lot has been made about the cover two shell, how much it's given the Chiefs and our team's problems. The Raiders are like more of a cover three team. So you're going to hear people say, "Well, they still haven't proven they can, they they can beat that coverage." And number one, there is still like shell concepts in in cover three, so it's not like cover three is completely different concepts all over the field than cover two. Um, number two, I think a lot of what they did to to beat it and move the ball is sustainable. I mean, it was a lot more short stuff to the running back. It was like they. Let's put it this way. You could tell this was the first time they had really opened up the playbook. I think it, it had been pretty, pretty bland, pretty just straightforward game plans the last couple of weeks. And it's kind of like, oh, like they just, it's not the same creative team. And like they were putting Kelsey in the backfield to keep him from getting shipped to the line of scrimmage. They were doing, a, I mean, the play where it, it was like the play action and then the fake reverse. And then Mahomes was like turned around and just do a dart to Kelsey right away. I was like, yeah, this looks like the the offense I'm used to. And I'm right back on board with Tyreek yeah. Hill, top two receiver, Kelsey clear number one tight end, and Mahomes. You know, I said last week I'm not positive you're going to get, like, QB1 Mahomes, but it's still going to be really good. I, I think I'm pretty on board with him as a top two quarterback now, the rest of the way, just after seeing that game.
2: Yeah, well, like you said, the creativity was there. I mean, one one thing that stood out to me was at one point, they lined up Kelsey right next to Wiley, and I think Max Crosby thought he was going to get a free pressure on Mahomes mm-hmm. when the entire play concept was a screen pass to Kelsey, but they didn't chip him because he was lined up against a third the, stringer right tackle. The, the middle
0: screens to Kelsey, I swear to God, they work every time. And the one where they got it to him and he had creed humphrey like sprinting in front of him and it was funny humphrey the the center for those who are uh chiefs offensive line purists like like we've all become (laughs) this year um creed actually like slipped on the play and still just like dump trucked the guy that was in front of him that was just a funny a funny play and yeah like that if if they can get kelsey in in the law of actions like that i mean it's he just looked he he looked the healthiest he's looked in, in multiple weeks, too. I thought.
2: Yeah. And going forward, I think the ultimate test, of this Chiefs team is going to be this Cowboys game they have this Sunday. Three o'clock game is probably going to be a good matchup. But I think all in all, um, if you've been able to hold on to some shares in this Chiefs offense through some ups and downs, and I mean for what they what they're worth, Mahomes is still a QB one. Tyree kills the wide receiver four or three, and then Travis Kelsey's the tight end one. So there's there's mm-hmm. really not been a lot of ups and downs in fantasy land but I think there's even better things coming for the players mm-hmm. who hold them.
0: I agree. I agree. Just curious. Are the chiefs, a topic, um, an AFC topic that you brought anybody on there later on? No, I tried to go to some teams we haven't talked
2: about recently where there's some interesting storylines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to put the chiefs down, uh, but it was go- the storyline would have been the chiefs offensive resurgence and the death of Nicole Hardman's fantasy value. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't want to talk about it. So,
0: Hey, McColl was about six inches away from uh, from a long touchdown against the Packers. So he, yeah, he, and then the he, week
2: after, he plays like 38 percent of the team's snaps.
0: Hey, but you know what? They finally like did a smart thing and got him the ball on the run, so he could just uh, not have to use real skills and just run fast when when he got the ball. You can't and strip
2: I, the route if there is no route.
0: <laughs> and I know all of us because I know I know I was doing it. it like the whole time he had the ball. My heart was in my throat thinking he was and then he got lit up at the end of the play. Thought for sure he was gonna fumble, but he didn't, so good for him.
2: Yeah. Um <laughs> glad to have the Chiefs back in form. The NFL starting to make sense again to me with Kansas City on top. A little bit. We still had Tampa lose that watched the Washington
0: football team, so there's still and the and the Rams get killed. So there's still uh, a lot of things happening,
2: right? Well, now. Tyler Hideke has Tom Brady's number after that playoff loss <laughs> last year. This I think Tyler Hiddekey bad play- quarterbacks are Tom Brady's kryptonite. He lost to Eli Manning in the
0: Super Bowl. He lost to okay, the in the Super Bowl. Okay, let's not put Eli Manning in the same breath as uh, as Heineke played. <laughs> I don't know. I he's, mean... a li- he's a little better than that. Show, show show the man some respect. He's a little better than that, and he is absolutely hysterical on Monday Night Football.
2: He's great on Monday Night Football. I don't know if he should be in the Hall of Fame, but maybe that's a topic we could talk about in the offseason.
0: <laughs> All right, it's time. I I jumped the gun earlier. It's time. Who's that Pokemon? Let's get that song out there first. Who's that
1: Pokemon?
0: And I will go first, as mentioned. I will start with a running back. Not going to say his name. Almost did. This guy is a top eight running back on the season. He's not topped 80 scrimmage yards since week six, and he's averaged three and a half yards per carry or fewer two times in the last three weeks. His team is tied. Now, this isn't really that much of a hint, just more of like an interesting fact. His team is tied with nine other teams on Fantasy Pros, like schedule analysis. They do like one star through five star for each position. One star being the hardest matchup, five being the easiest. Uh, This team has the hardest running back matchup tied for uh, for the rest of the season. This guy, however, has received double digit rushes in every game. And at least thirteen touches in every game this season. He is in the NFC. He's in the and he's a top eight. Top eight running back. And he hasn't gone over eighty scrimmage yards? In how many weeks did I say? Week six was the last time.
2: Is James Conner top eight? <laughs> No, he went over uh, 60 two weeks ago. I was say I don't know
0: I don't know if he is or not, but he's not the
2: answer. And he's in the NFC, and he's not injured. He's not injured.
0: Is it Alvin Kamara? It is not Alvin Kamara. He is a topic uh, later in the show, though. Oh, Johnny, I feel like you're gonna get it. You get you get these all the time. You're probably better than both of us at this game.
1: So Dalvin Cook not Dalvin. but oh, he had a he had a lot one week is yeah, it Zeke sure. it is Zeke there you go fourth time the charm ben. Ezekiel
0: Elliott he is the RB7 on the season uh when he hasn't scored touchdowns lately or just at all this season he, you know every guy is like carried by touchdowns to some extent but his yards he had like two or three huge yardage games but outside of that it's not been great efficiency he actually only played i know they They've had two weird games the last two weeks, but the snap counts have been low. It's hard to really know how big of a carryover that is. But the main concern I have with the efficiency and the touchdowns and all of that is when you look at the strength of schedule and it's like actually hard down the stretch for the Cowboys. Well, and I mean, this has been beaten to death
2: like a dead horse. I don't want to over talk about it, but Tony Pollard still does look like the better back. I mean, last mm. week he had that one catch where he went like 30 yards. And just in general... Uh, I think Tony Pollard's like the third or fourth highest grade running back on PFF right now. And in general, the Cowboys offense functions fine with Zeke, but he's he's missing a lot of that explosive. With Cooper Rush two weeks ago, he had one carrier that was like old school Zeke where he really beats them up. But this really does look like he's kind of getting a swan song and he's slowly fading as the season goes on and that Zeke's turning back into fat Zeke. We saw last year, not skinny <laughs> Zeke.
0: It's been kind of weird. Cause you know, he, like I said, he had a couple really high yardage games in week one. I, and I know they hardly ran against the bucks, but like, we all remember that play where he could have scored the touchdown. If he just makes that defensive defensive, I think back. it was a safety, wasn't it? Yeah. Either a safety or a cornerback makes the D back either makes a miss in the open field or just, you know, runs him over. And he did neither. Basically, fell down trying to do that. So he had a rough start. It was a good middle, and now it's been uh, kind of tailing off. Like I said, he's averaged less than three and a half yards a touch or a carry two of the last three weeks. And they obviously have one blowout loss and one blowout win in in that stretch. But yeah, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. All right, Dalton. Who's that Pokemon? All right, I first feel like of
2: two. Both of mine this week are pretty, pretty easy since we're, get, we're easing back into this. That's what you said, um, but you're gonna have
0: like this guy ran fifty percent of the routes
2: in week four. Uh, well, it's gonna be like he has like the best short down distance work in the NFL or something. No, he's a he's a top twelve running back in the James AFC. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the <laughs> AFC. Good try. <laughs> uh he's played over eighty percent of the team snaps in all but one game. He has fifty seven total targets on the season six total touchdowns, and averages 3.2 yards per touch. Is it Najee Harris? It's Najee Harris. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: 3, the, the 3.2 yards per touch really drove me.
2: I know. Crazy. I debated putting that one on there because, I mean, you, <laughs> it, it is disgusting to look at his, like, breakdown of – because watching him play – and it's not entirely his fault. That Steelers offensive line, that Steelers offense is horrible. Mm-hmm. But – the, it is the definition of close your eyes and don't watch the game because it's like Najee Harris for three yards, Najee Harris for four yards. Oh, he got into the backfield ten yards, four yards, two yards, three yards, a catch for two yards, a catch going backwards for negative four yards. It, his play-by-play is absolutely horrendous. But, I mean, production and fantasy
0: football from running backs comes from the players getting the work and Najee's just getting it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to share this, you, you talking about Najee made me think of this so this is from harris football uh naji harris did not score on this play his caption to this tweet is naji score this and you can't see the safeties obviously but that's about as perfect as a setup as you're gonna get uh well, that's for... seven of the five players on the field all blocked <laughs> yeah. and he didn't score that how so, many like, yards
1: did he get here
0: i i have absolutely no idea i just don't <laughs> score a touchdown. so he got I, seven he, <laughs> he's not he's not in a great situation to be sure, but also he's maybe left a little bit on the field a time or two, that being obviously like I saw that and was like, wow, how in the world did he not score a touchdown on that play? It doesn't matter what the secondary looks like because you've got, like you said, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys completely blocked. And it's like kind of like what I talked about with Zeke, where it's like you should be able to make that second level miss. Once you have a head of steam in the open field like that.
1: Uh, he's yeah. like the uh the Trent Richardson. Uh he at least,
0: oh, he, he at least uh <laughs> he at least is running through the hole. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I just meant like the comparison of like how big the the lane is to <laughs> where he should have scored in somehow didn't.
0: I think yeah. Najee's good, but I just like I just as soon as you said him, I was like, I have to go find that picture because I saw that yesterday. It was like floored that he apparently didn't – well, he didn't score because he didn't have a touchdown in the game, I don't think. So. Yeah, well, that game in general should not have been allowed to be televised on football. Lions-Steelers was an absolute joke of a game. So, Noah, if you're watching this and you lost by 13 points to Najee Harris in your lineup, it's possible that play was the reason why. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't know how long of a run that would have been, but it's possible that would have been long enough for, for 13 points. I don't know.
2: He barely lost, if you remember. He only lost by like eight or nine. Um, that, Evan. You ready for your next one? Oh, yeah. Who's
1: that Pokemon? All
0: right, so this guy's a top 20 running back on the season. He's played 54% or more of the team snaps five times this year. In those five games, if you ranked him uh, just with the other running backs in those five. So you take his five games and everybody else's same five games. You put him in the rankings just for that five-week stretch. He's the RB4 on the season. A.J. Dillon. No. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, This probably would have, if you would have waited for my last hit, this probably would have given it away. That's not A.J. Dillon, at least. He's 14th among running backs and targets this year. And
2: what division is he in? AFC. That also would have given it away. It's not A.J. Dillon. He's 14th in running backs among targets. Yep. 14th among running backs in total targets. I feel like this is one of those didn't see it coming. Is it
0: Melvin Gordon? No, nope, not Melvin Gordon. I don't know what his targets are, but yeah, that's not like a bad, a bad guess. This one's a little tricky. Hmm. And the way I worded, I'll, okay, I'll give you this. Hint. I'll, I'll further the five week hint. It's not just any five weeks. It's the last five weeks.
2: Oh, it's definitely Daryl the Barrel, There you right? go. Yeah,
0: Daryl Williams. I, 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 I didn't want to give that hit like that because I knew that would give it away. So I just wanted to say five games. But yeah, the last five weeks. Daryl is the RB four the last five weeks. Wow. Um, as
2: a <laughs> CH truther, Clyde Edwards Hilaire could equally be doing the exact same things had he not hurt his uh, knee against the
0: Buffalo Bills. I think Clyde is still going to come back and be the starter, but I'm, cu- I'm curious... I mean, Daryl was already kind of working in a little bit as he should like Clyde's a smaller guy and no running back really as a workhorse, except for like three or four anyways. But I'm curious, like, is this going to be like a true 50, 50 and like Daryl for as good of a receiver as Clyde was in college, I think Daryl's a better receiver. Well, like, we saw um, what he did. Obviously, he made, obviously he made the, the, the catch of the end zone that everybody saw, but like. He's well, he always, went over 100 yards last night. Yeah, uh, he he's always been a guy that the Chiefs really trust in the passing game, even when he's not playing very much. And part of that is blocking, but part of that is he's, he's just reliable out of the backfield. And so, yeah, I'm just curious what that split looks like going forward. And I felt I had to put him in there when I saw he was the RB4 in the last... To be clear, he's been aided by no bye week. There's, a, like, Joe Mixon's the, like, RB3 with a bye, I think, in the last, like... You know, month like Michael yeah. Carter was like the RB seven. Like Ak he was had, heard again to buy yep. So like, there's definitely like mitigating factors, but still like RB four is RB four for for over a month uh, of the season. That's pretty yeah, insane.
2: That's that's tough, especially for a guy that probably went undrafted in the majority of
0: your leagues. Yeah, I, I would say so. All right, Dalton, your last one. Who's that Pokemon? Like I said, this
2: guy's probably going to be a pretty much a gimme. Uh, he's in the AFC. He was a former first-round pick in the real NFL draft. He's currently a top 24 wide receiver. He has 1,078 air yards. He accounts for 41% of his team's total air yards. He leads the NFL in air yards, and he's already had his buy and still leads the NFL in those categories. Also, is third in the NFL in total targets.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, that's actually funny because my next guy is a targets question too. So I, I wish I is it, – is it Jamar Chase? He's a wide receiver, but no.
2: Wait, I, sorry, yes, but no, it's not Jamar Chase. Wait, but so this this is a wide receiver, right? i have now you. Yes. Confused. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, when you said Jamar Chase, for whatever reason, I heard Jamar Jefferson, and I was like, why is he guessing the third string running back for the Detroit Lions? <laughs> sorry, I was, yeah, but no, it's not. It's not Jamar Chase. You're close though.
0: Jamar Chase. So he's a wide receiver. <laughs> Someone Photoshop question marks above my head because I, I was very confused at that part. Okay, so not Jefferson. I mean, was Ho- John was Hollywood Brown a real life first round pick? Do you remember in, in the NFL draft? Because he was the one that jumped in mind, but I can't remember if he's a first round pick in real life.
1: I don't think he was. Yeah, I don't think he was either. Uh so it was
0: AFC? AFC. Former first round pick, a boatload of air yards leads the league. He's third in targets. Man, I'm so mad. The guy that I my guy is like sixth in targets, and he's a and he's a former first round pick too. So we had we had the same thought process here.
1: Any guesses, Johnny? I, I'll guess one more time. But I mean, I don't I don't remember when these guys get drafted anymore. My last hit is last week. He had five red zone targets
2: and got none of them for a touchdown.
0: I don't know. I honestly, See, I got nothing. Pittman? No, well, that's a good uh, guess though. He uh, would have been right. a first round pick if the Chiefs took him
2: over Clyde edwards yeah, Lair, like two picks mm. earlier. Oh, that would have been cool. Uh, it's Brandon <laughs> Cooks. If you want to talk about the most disgusting know. stat line versus what he's produced in the NFL. when of, you uh, when, when
0: you said former first round pick, I was thinking like more recent guys. Uh, so, like Brandon Cooks is a little older. so I wasn't even like thinking along the lines of like draft. Capital with him.
2: Yeah. Probably, I should have put he's been on like five NFL teams. That would have given it away though.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He got drafted in 2014. How do you expect <laughs> us to remember seven years ago's draft?
2: <laughs> well, I wanted the Chiefs take him because that was right after the season. We threw no touchdowns to so a wide receiver, I'm pretty sure. Who the Chiefs take in the 2014 first round? That's a good question. I couldn't. You must it. not want him that back. So you don't remember <laughs> who we took him instead.
0: Do you... All right, Evan. <laughs> Your last one. All right. Got to play a drop one last time. Who's that Pokemon? So this guy, as I already told you, this wasn't even in my head, but he's a former first-round pick. He's a top 30 receiver on the season. He ranks in the top 12 in targets ahead of guys like Deontay Johnson, Hollywood Brown, and Justin Jefferson. This guy's in the AFC, by the way. He's been pretty efficient on those targets, too. He's sixth in the NFL in receptions, but he only has three touchdowns this season. That's tied with DJ Moore for the lowest among among guys in the top twelve in targets. And it's funny; only Brandon Cooks, with two touchdowns, has fewer touchdowns than than those two guys in in the top twelve in targets. He has a lot of targets, only two touchdowns. Probably plays for a bad offense
2: then. But he's a target machine on that offense. Is it Jalen Waddle?
0: It is. Jaylen. I was gonna say yes! it's
1: my guy right. that never scores a touchdown.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say Johnny should know this because he lives this every week oh, in our I'll league.
1: see, like I'm like, oh, okay. He's getting 12 targets, 10 catches. Okay, ninety-four yards. That's it. Okay, all right. Or, 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 or the occasional
0: it. eight catch for yeah, whatever. I know that we could talk about where It was like ten catches for like sixty-five yards. Yeah,
1: and it was like only the third or fourth time that had been accomplished in NFL history. <laughs> it legitimately just feels like every week for me. Like, let me see. So, like week eight, he had eleven targets, four catches. Week nine, four catches. Ten targets, eight catches. A oh, week six, he had thirteen targets, ten catches. How yeah. many yards was that? Seventy.
0: That's the week. yep. Yeah, Ted catches for seventy yards.
2: Week three, he basically has a good running hard-its. back week. Two, 12 receptions,
0: fifty-eight yards for four point eight yards per
1: cra- catch. The highest yardage week he's had was eighty-three.
0: So I I put him on here for two for two reasons. Number one, to as hurt you can clearly, as you, yes, number one to hurt Johnny. So now three reasons. Number two, uh, with his a dot being like basically. Uh, about about this far down the field. For those who can't see me, it's about one inch, um one inch down the field. It limits his upside. But number three, he only has two touch there's three touchdowns. So he had like he could still have more touchdowns with a low A dot. It's just the Dolphins like to let third string tight ends score in the red zone. Durham Smythe one once or twice a week, and 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 also like he is such an explosive big play guy and he hasn't had one yet. Like where he takes a four yard pass and takes it an 80. Like I, I think Waddle, like I saw him on a, on a sell high list today. I disagree with that. I I think I'd be holding because I, I don't like, he's had a lot of targets and the argument was like, yeah, you know, Will Fuller's coming back. Like, Devontae Parker's, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, well, Fuller's going back and Devontae Parker's not going to be out every week. And, like, Kasicki's not going to have zero catches on however many targets he had last week, every week. So, like, the volume is a concern. But, like, you know, this guy is the only guy who's been reliably in the lineup every week on that team, number one. And number two, he's a big play guy who just hasn't broken one off yet for whatever reason, partially because of low A dot. But, again, he profiles as a yak monster, and I think he's going to have one or two big plays.
2: Well, we'll also talk about this later on one of my storylines, but he is a rookie. So we're talking about a guy who's playing in the first half of the season of the NFL. He's still getting attuned to it. And a lot of the times, the second half of the NFL is where we see these big breakouts. Think Justin Jefferson last year. Well, Devontae really Smith is money. like
0: in the middle of that yeah, right Devante now. Smith, and the thing with the, the, other, the other thing with Waddle is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is off the top of my head, but they've played the Bills twice already, right? They have, yes. Yeah, so they've played, you know, the the best defense in the NFL right now, two times already. So he's got that working against him so far. And Tua's been in and out of the lineup because he's been hurt. And also because the Dolphins just apparently wanted to bench him for a half the other day. And Chihori Brissett is very bad. Like, Tua's not great. Brissett even worse. So, like, he's had the starting quarterback in and out of the lineup. And they played uh, the Bills twice.
2: And have the worst offensive line in the NFL, which lends itself to that horrible four-yard a dot. It's
0: tough to send them deep when the quarterback only has three seconds every time he drops back. Exactly. If that. Yeah, for sure. All right, Dalton. I think we can move on to our storylines. Like I alluded to in the opening, you've got three from the AFC. I've got three from the NFC no qualifications here please stop giving me that face like like we're gonna have six from the nfc no qualifications it can be anything you know a whole team one player what whatever the case may be i'll let you start with your first afc storyline all right this is the one i really did want to do
2: but we haven't talked about this a lot um but it's is darren waller still a top three tight end now He's, I know he's
0: been like kind of a bust. Been pretty like shaky a little, the, the a minimum. little, A little undercover because Kittle's been in and out and like other guys in the middle like Hawkinson and Pitts a little lower down. But those guys have not exactly been a joy to, to own either. But yeah, Waller, it's been pretty rocky.
2: Well, the best part about this is if we remember, there were people in the offseason putting – Darren Waller is the overall tight end one with concerns about Travis Kelsey's age. He's and a tight end in a... six right now for anyone yeah. who's curious, and he's also tight end six in points per games for those of you who are mm-hmm. pointing out that he, you know, he missed a game. He's still tight end six either way you look at it, and he was probably a third round pick on your team. And this is from PFF: the Raiders lead the NFL in tight end targets of twenty plus air yards, but. Waller has caught just three of those this season and only three of those passes to him have been deemed catchable. We all know that Derek Carr is not really a down the field target machine. And then like you pointed out, I think last week, Evan, the Raiders have already had three games go into overtime. Mm-hmm. And since Darren Waller had his 19 target game in the Baltimore Ravens game in week one,
0: yep. <laughs> he has not surpassed 11. Yeah, targets. He's, he's going to get all the targets every week. Dalton. He had 19. Yeah. It's going to keep going every week. And since then he's Who only had
2: two touchdowns, and his target rate among tight ends is twenty third in the NFL. I it's not looking good for him. And then his red zone target rate is twelve percent on the team, and he's being out targeted in the red zone by Foster Moreau. So, well, and and Hunter Renfro
0: is like a guaranteed like seven receptions every week. It feels like.
2: Yeah, and we're re- seeing a resurgence of Mark Andrews in and the Ravens' passing attack. I know he's had a he had a zero last week, but Mike Geseki is absolutely getting abused when it comes to targets in that Dolphins' offense. Well, and you've
0: got like Dawson Knox, who's who's missed time, but just looking at points per game, he's actually just a tick higher at ten point five compared to ten point four. He's been right there with Waller. And in, in seven games versus eight games.
2: Yeah. And then you have Kyle Pitts, who I think everybody feels like is on the cusp of a breakout game. I it's mean, just probably not happening against the Patriots, who are going to probably triple team him this week. Absolutely not.
0: He, but was I mean, trend, he was trending on Twitter today. I was like, oh, God, what happened to Kyle Pitts? I click it. The first tweet says, everyone, please pray for Kyle Pitts. I was like, oh, God, what happened? And then it was like a couple of enters because he's going to get triple teamed every play by Bill <laughs> Belichick on Thursday night. I, yeah. <laughs>
2: I didn't, I just, I mean, is Darren Waller top three tight end? Can you reliably count on him for that going forward?
0: No, I don't think so. And for for all the reasons that you mentioned, uh, number one, number two, that offense as a whole is not going in the right direction right now. Obviously we know it's been a tumultuous season for that team. You lose your coach no matter what we may think of that coach, good or bad, it's still a lot to deal with to lose your head coach in the middle of the season. And especially like, well, it's like he was gonna get fired. Like they weren't expecting it. It was completely out of nowhere. And then obviously everyone knows what happened with with Henry Ruggs. And again, just a, a, real, a real terrible thing off the field. On the field, they don't have the guy the, to stretch the defense really anymore or as effectively as rugs and and open up space for waller in the middle of the field they brought on Deshaun jackson to kind of try and be that guy and we we saw the other day he can still be that guy at times he can also decide to run diagonally and get stripped after making a catch uh so so yeah i just don't love the the way that offense as a whole is trending like even the offensive line like you have the rookie leatherwood who They started at tackle early in the season. They traded way up to get him. They're like, oh, we have to move him the guard now because he's a a guard who we drafted as a tackle and traded up for. But his arms, he has T-Rex arms like every other tackle in this class outside of the top guy or two pretty much did. So they've just got – you can look at every part of that offense and find something that is not working great right now.
2: Yeah, well, and probably – Worse to his value is the loss of Alec Ingold to a torn ACL last night. I know in mm-hmm. fantasy football, we don't care about fullbacks, but when it comes to the blocking schemes of the Raiders, he was a really big part of how they were their run game. I care about for Josh result. Jacobs too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably going to result in Darren Waller playing more in blocking formations or Foster Morrow being more in the game in those formations. I, I just, in general, I just don't think he's a guy that I would, I would put my top three. If we were doing next year rankings, I don't think Darren Waller makes the list of top three, definitely still a top five or six guy, But like we've said before, there's a big drop-off, especially with the capital you spent on them this year. Well, and if
0: you're doing like rest of the season ranks, like it's Kelsey one, Andrews two. I think that's pretty clear. But then you look at three, like guys who you could make the argument for ahead of Waller would include Dawson Knox. Again, he didn't play well last week. He just came back from injury, but he's in that conversation. Like Gronk has been out for two months, but he's in that conversation when he's back we've got to see him not play well on the field before we ding him too much in the ranks. Uh, Kyle Pitts, as you mentioned, he, I I think that breakout is probably coming at some point for him, especially we don't know about Ridley, but if Ridley comes back, I think that's going to help, help Pitts out. Um, And then, like you said, Gasecki has a million targets. Like, (laughs) like what's the, like, Dalton Schultz, like he's not too far off in points per game. I I take Waller over him. But there's like a lot – the the point is there's a lot of guys who were either right there with him or just slightly below. And it's been – Well, you didn't mention George Kittle. Yeah, George George, – yeah, I would take Kittle as probably the three, I guess. I I forgot about Kittle.
2: Well, then you have guys like Goddard who I think we – before the injury, we were just seeing he he was getting a lot of work in that Eagles Mm -hmm. offense before – after the trade of Zach Ertz. I mean – he, he still seals in, and is, he's a weekly top 12 guy. It's just hard for me to justify him up that high any longer. Mm, I agree.
0: Okay, so my, my first one in the NFC, John, you're going to like this one, the emergence of A.J. Dillon. So his season this year, he started off as, like, kind of a pure stash, but like the Alexander Madison type of stash, right, where it's like if anything ever happens, like this guy, like, this is going to be the guy right here. But now, even before Dylan, or even before um, Jones got hurt, I'm going to steal Mike Wright's term off the fantasy footballers. Dylan was already a flex with benefits. Now, he's a top five to seven running back for the week or two that that Jones is out, and, and he gets that standalone work. So you look at last week, he had 21 carries. He scored twice. I think he was the RB1 overall in fantasy last week. And just every time I watch him, he just passes the eye test. He's explosive. Obviously, everyone knows how big he and his quads are, but he's explosive. He can catch the ball a little bit, did that some last week too. Uh, You like that the Packers play the Vikings this week, who are bottom 10 in DVOA um, against the run this year. But to me, I think the larger point is, even after Jones comes back, like Dylan had been getting more work as of late. I think he's a guy that even when Jones is back, you can put in there as a low end RB two if you're a receiver heavy team or at that flex spot, if you're looking for some upside at the flex, because just look at his numbers. He didn't have a rushing touchdown until last week. Like I know Joe Aaron Jones is awesome and he's the guy that gave it to him in the red zone, but like, Look at A.J. Dillon. Like, just look at the guy. Like, him having zero rushing touchdowns for that many games, even with Aaron Jones, like, that's probably not sustainable. Like, I I think better days are ahead, even with Aaron Jones, as far as rushing success in the red zone goes. And, And then you just look at him compared to last year. He's already more than doubled his attempts from last year. He's close to doubling his rushing yards. And the big thing is he has 16 receptions, which, like, isn't a ton, but he had two. Last year, so like his his role is growing in that area too. So you're just seeing you're seeing his role grow even without Aaron Jones, and then these couple of weeks, or even with Aaron Jones, and then now without him for these couple of weeks, he's gonna be just a monster, I think. And I think that like the phrase league winner is tossed out a lot. I think even when Jones comes back, like this is a league winner because you're gonna get a couple of weeks of to a top like five to seven guy. And then if you if you get a guy who you draft in the double digit rounds to be a startable running back for you down the stretch, like that is just so huge for your team.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, last year we got to see A.J. Dillon against the Titans in his one of his full workload games where he absolutely shredded the Titans in a game where he outperformed Derrick Henry. Um, he's just very, very different in the way he plays than Aaron Jones, but this is a fun stat I saw on Twitter that I had bookmarked the tweet, anyways. But out of his last 10 catches, Aaron – or sorry, A.J. Dillon is averaging over 10 yards a catch. <laughs> um, now, obviously, there's a very limit. I think he only has, like, 20 – or, like, 18 catches on the season. But that's just crazy is that when he does catch the ball, he's getting, like, these 10, 20 chunk yard gains. I think last week he averaged, like, 31 yards a catch. Or was that two weeks ago? He, yeah, he, last week he, it was 31 yeah, yards Yeah, because he,
0: he had a long – I think he had, like, a 40-yard reception or something late in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah,
2: he went two for two for 62 yards. Um,
0: <laughs> so – absolutely a league winner and
2: we know the Packers don't like to over utilize Aaron Jones they, they like him at like that 60 to 65 percent range mm-hmm. so going forward they're probably going to try to utilize AJ Dillon and as a smart team that's definitely making the playoffs in a very stacked NFC this year. The Packers are probably going to want to let Aaron Jones come back slowly and use him, you know, more sparingly going Mm -hmm. into the playoffs and let him be the weapon he is. And that definitely bodes well for A.J. Dillon owners who are going to get the full, you know, array of his ability because obviously he can catch the ball and run the ball.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep,
0: obviously 100% with you. Uh, So, Giant, there you go. A topic to to make you happy after the Jalen Waddle sadness earlier. No, who, who, what, what's your second story here?
2: Um, like I told you earlier, we're going to talk about the Houston Texans. We're going to talk about the <laughs> Jets, and now it's Jets time, boys, because it is Elijah Moore breakout season.
0: Um, but he is it. He I'll let you talk, but he only ran like like thirty percent of the route. Or like he. He was not getting the plague type he should have last week. I don't know what the exact number or stat was, but it was he it, it was up. it was it was making the Twitter folk very mad.
2: That's all yes, I mean. he only played fifty six percent of the team's staff last week, which is scary. But first and foremost, let's talk about his last three games. He's had over sixty yards in all three. Touchdowns in the last two. Obviously, two weeks ago he had two touchdowns and was I think the wide receiver one overall or close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though he's running a low percent of routes last week he was 13th in the nfl in total air yards he had 26 percent of the team's total air yards when he's out there he gets targeted um and this week when they play miami miami ranks third in the nfl in points allowed to wide receivers i still think Corey davis is going to be the one getting shadowed by the elite corner for miami um but more importantly is joe flacco an upgrade no, i mean no, i mean is over zach wilson is he uh, and I'm... mike white I don't know. I think there's <laughs> there's potential to do it. And for those curious, I went ahead and jumped into Joe Flacco's stats a little bit earlier today.
0: Wow, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Great great way to spend your day off.
2: Um, But his deep ball percentage is pretty high, and Elijah Moore has been pretty successful on his deep ball runs. And Mike White, we saw, he's I'd like... I'd be curious
0: really, what... I wonder what Flacco's deep ball percentage is like the last, like, three years. Well, that's very unfair because he's hardly played. Uh, well, but he, like... He was the starter for the Broncos for a little bit. He was, like, the starter for the first 10 games of Lamar Jackson's career. So like, he, he's had a couple starting roles the last three, four years. My point is, I think as he's gotten older, uh, those deep shots are becoming less frequent. Absolutely,
2: but Mike White
0: had the lowest yards per target in
2: the NFL in the two games he's played. So I I'm sure Joe Flacco will give the upside. And then last but not least, you're I, sure we, he's
0: gonna give the upside. I'm not so sure.
2: Compared to Mike White, I'm sorry. Let me let me put a little asterisk <laughs> in this statement. Compared to Mike White, Joe Flacco might be an upgrade. And Zach Wilson has been absolutely
0: putrid this season, no matter what you can say. No, uh, he know. has not been good for that offense. I agree. He and, was getting better before he got hurt. He, I mean, that he was getting better from like worse than trash to start the season, to be clear, but he was still improving.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And soon Beckton comes back for this offensive line. So hopefully they can decrease the pressures for whoever's at quarterback, which could lend itself to a couple more deep shots. And Elijah Moore, you know, halfway through a season, starting to pick it up as a rookie if they give him an 80 or 90% snap share then we're really talking like big numbers from this guy. Yeah, but you're, much you're to, better.
0: but you're you're but you're like Jamison Crowder is still playing a decent chunk more of the snaps which I don't get. I you I mean don't it, it it's like it's not even because they like I'd get if Corey Davis were playing more and he probably is, but, but like cuz those guys have different roles. Like Crowder's role is what Elijah Moore's role should be. So, number one, like they probably should have just got rid of Crowder in the offseason. But if they brought him back, whatever. I, I don't get playing him more than your rookie at this point in, in the season. We're, you know, week 11 right now. We're more than halfway through the season. My concern with Moore would be that I, I already worry enough about Michael Carter um in this bad offense. Uh Week to week, you're going to have weeks where he only has like six, seven, eight points just because they score. 10 points, get complete, get get their doors blown off by whoever it is they play. And you're going to have weeks where, yeah, maybe they do hang around and those guys put up big numbers. I just think it's going to be inconsistent. And especially with Moore, where he hasn't like clearly won his role yet. I'm not sure. Like he's going to have big weeks, but I'm not sure how you ever know when they're coming.
2: Yes. But I mean, where you drafted Moore and whether or not he stayed on the team or if you picked him up off the waiver wire are two things that really play into this. And mm-hmm. I think he has flex worthy consideration over the last three weeks. He's top ten in the NFL in open percentage on routes run. I mean, he really is dominating it. And I just, no, I know I my, look. my, my questions
0: are not about him. They're about how much they're playing him and how bad they stink. <laughs> Those are you the two main questions. You have to
2: believe that cream rises to the top and you cannot tell me that Jameson Crowder is better than well, Elijah Moore at this point in their careers.
0: Cream can only rise so far when the team is in the cellar. <laughs> that is true. All right, Evan. What do <laughs> you have for us? That, that, that that's why Michael Carter's like not not RB thirteen. If I were doing rest of season ranks, he's like RB like nineteen because they're they just think they're they're very bad. My next my next story. So this is a team that went from being pretty bad to like they're kind of interesting now to me. It's the Eagles and their offensive transformation the last couple of weeks and. They went from a team, I don't have the stat in front of me, I think we talked about it at one point earlier in the season, they were handing the ball off at like a comically low percentage of their plays. Even in neutral game scripts, they were just dropping Jalen Hurts back and letting them sling it, which never made sense to me. Uh, Why you do that with a quarterback who's not a great thrower and a very good dual threat guy, but, you know, whatever. Now you look at them, Even after the pass heavy approach, the first probably seven weeks, I think it's really been the last couple of weeks they've shifted. They're second in the NFL in rushing play percentage at 47.8%. The last three games, they're number one by a wide margin. And the part of it is because they beat the the Lions 44 to six, but they're 68.3% of their plays have been runs the last couple of weeks. That number is not sustainable, but what is sustainable is I think they have shifted more toward being a running team as opposed to a passing team, which again just makes more sense given the personnel. And I think fantasy wise, well, so this means, this is a few things I want to say here. Number one, very unfortunate that this switch seemed to take place the second that Miles Sanders went down. Uh, So, so that, that, that's been fun for anyone that owns Miles Sanders. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that especially if you didn't have uh, you had Jordan Howard or Kenneth Gamewell for the brief moment he was the guy or Boston, Scott. or Boston Scott, yeah. But if this continues, like, and I think it will because it should, I think Sanders is like a top 15 to 18 type of guy rest of season at running back. So that's number one. Of course, it's a little unclear how they view him compared to the other running backs because they were not playing this way when he was there, like, I think they view him as the top guy, but like is Jordan Howard still getting eight carries is Boston Scott still getting five, six, seven carries. Like what's Kenneth Gamewell's role? Like, I think, I think Sanders is the lead guy and a good bet to be top 15 to 18, but I don't feel like great about like there, there's some downside there because we don't know how the workload is going to work out. And then when you just think about the other guys, like I think Hertz is still, a starter at quarterback and we've talked about this this isn't breaking news he's not gonna be a top five guy rest of season I think he's more in that 10 to 12 range because he's not gonna be throwing them out of garbage time every week anymore they're actually playing like real legitimate winning football because not because running the ball is better but for their personnel running the ball has been better and it's helped him like not be so terrible throwing the ball because teams don't know they're throwing the ball all the time they can use play action they can use you know the read like the read option rollouts, that kind of stuff it's really helped them find Devonte smith a lot more often lately smith has has three touchdowns the last two weeks i mentioned it earlier he's like in the middle of that of that rookie breakout right now he's been awesome but i think he's the only guy with goddard being hurt he's the only guy in that passing game you can start so those are three takeaways miles sanders is more interesting than me than he was before hurts you know fringe qb1 and Devontae smith the guy that wants want to start right now
2: yeah i agree with you entirely and i actually pulled up some stats while you were talking um and this is over the last three weeks it's the eagles situational rust splits versus the nfl when they're within three points they're plus seven percent to run the ball When they're leading by four or more points, they're plus 17% to run the ball. Mm -hmm. And when they're trailing by four or more, they're 3% more likely to run the ball than the rest of the NFL. This is from the points and expectations from PFF. Mm -hmm. Um, So, absolutely, running the ball on the ground. It's been a huge shift and been a successful one for them offensively.
0: Um, More importantly, going forward... The thing I can't figure out is why Gainwell went from the backup to the third string when the guy ahead of him got hurt. Now that it's worked, but that's been a little confusing to me.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if they know what Gainwell's role in this team is at this point, year to date, he has 17% of the team's total rush attempts and he's played every game on like Jordan Howard and Boston Scott who have more rush attempts than he does. And I I just I think he's a rookie and he's figuring things out and they're figuring like like, out. like
0: like like there for a while before Sanders got hurt. Like Ganwell was like one of my favorite underdog prop bet guys every week because his total yards were set at like thirty nine and a half, thirty five and a half rushing and receiving. He was getting past that like in the second quarter of games every week, and now he's like hardly on the field.
2: Yeah, I'm and like you said, I, the biggest monitoring point, First of all, I know earlier in the season both Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager were kind of like speculative, like. Mm-hmm fringe ads for your team i don't think they're addable at this point the offense funnels to two guys and that's going to be goddard when he returns and devonta smith and then miles sanders returns going to be really tricky for the owner if you held him this looks like a really good situation for him to come back to it's a top 12 nfl offensive line they run the ball a lot and the rpo action that we were expecting is starting to come to fruition Mm -hmm. it should be a real slam home run for miles Sanders, but something tells me that Jordan Howard is going to be the guy <laughs> just because that's how this season is. Going.
0: I don't think he's going to be the guy, but he's going to be a lot more involved than anybody wants. And it's going to be frustrating. And this is coming from like the biggest miles Sanders skeptic, probably that any of you listening to this podcast know. So yeah. All right, Don. we've got one more, you give me your, your third AFC. All right. My
2: third one, uh, been talking the town everywhere and we're going to new England who plays tomorrow, mm-hmm. but do we have a running back by committee brewing in new England?
0: It's interesting. Ramondre Stevenson looked pretty good. 25 he for a hundred last week, right? You
2: scored more points than Damian Harris ever has in a game in fantasy this year. Really? In wow. one game. Yes, he did. Um, Isaiah Wynn just returned to that offensive line, which really brings them to like a top, like top five caliber offensive line. Last week, like Evan said, Stevenson went 20 for 102 touchdowns in rushing. And then surprisingly, he had five targets, four catches, and only 14 yards. But he out-targeted Brandon Bolden, who has been there.
0: <laughs> I was really struggling telling him and Brandon Bolden apart. I was like, oh, that's Bolden. I was like, no, oh, like, oh, wait, that's Steve. No, I, I, it. You can't have more than one guy in the backfield to have dreads. And they're both like a little, little bigger on the shoulders. Kind I know. Of. So it's, it was extremely confusing. And this is
2: from Seth Galena over at PFF, but he said last week, unlike Damian Harris all season, Stevenson was heavily targeted on early down work. He registered a 21% target share and a 56% targets per route run. So it just seems like Mac Jones and him click on the runs that him and Damian Harris aren't. Mm -hmm. Also, I know we're going pretty far back. Damian Harris
0: like caught like one pass last year. So he's never been like a pass catcher by any stretch,
2: but preseason. Ramondre Stevenson was probably preseason MVP if you're you're taking those (laughs) votes. I mean, the
0: guy was electric. He comes in. He finally had a stiff arm this last week. That was like, oh, that's kind of what he was doing in the preseason. And he came in
2: in week one before his fumble. He was mixing in on early down work with Damian Harris. It was very limited, but it looked like these two were going to be sharing a backfield. And now I think we're kind of returning to that. Harris has never been targeted more than three times in a game. And that was week one. He was targeted three times, and part of that was because Brandon Bolden was inactive and because Damian, or because Damien Ramondre Stevenson was benched for a rookie fumble, and we know how Bill Belichick is. And then going back to week eight, the last time they both played, 35% of the short down and distance work went to Ramondre Stevenson, and 80% of the goal line touches went to him. And then Brandon Bolden ran 48% of the running back routes that week. So I really think we're going into a full running back by committee, and the Patriots' schedule is all over the place. They play the Falcons, which probably is going to be a run game. Then yep. the Titans and the Bills, going to be a lot of passing they, work. They get the Bills twice, yeah. Yep. Then the Colts, which is probably another passing game. And then the Bills, another passing game. And then they finish with the Jags. So you're not going to be able to play. You're going to be playing a lot of Russian roulette with who you're starting and how the Patriots are going to handle those games.
0: Well, but I think me, well, we're well, heading well, towards it. Well, let me ask you, as somebody who has both of these guys on your dynasty All well, three, game. actually. Oh, yeah, I Bolden. In. I oh, dropped, dropped Bolden
2: today, but I had him.
0: So you have you have both the main guys. I think I be, mean, we'll see, I guess, tomorrow night, obviously, but it seems like Damian Harris is like on track to play, like has gone through some walk, some practice and walkthrough stuff. So if we'll say if Damian Harris plays, and I'm assuming you're only starting one of those guys, which one are you choosing? Well, that's a great question. I'm
2: starting <laughs> I'm starting Damian Harris and and this is one of the worst things you can do as a fantasy manager, but I went and watched Bill Belichick speak and read an athletic article. And he said, it was great seeing Ramondre out there, um, but it's glad to know we have guys behind Damian who can still be our guy. And that's a lot of people, including Josh Norris over at Underdog, are basing their entire, like, David Harris still is viable in fantasy uh, idea Boy. off of that.
0: And it's It's, it's got to be a stressful feeling basing your entire opinion off of something Bill Belichick said.
2: But it's just, if you're an owner, first of all, if you're or, a Damian or, Harris or owner... We're or one,
0: or one Damian Harris fumble on the goal line, which he's had multiple this year, away from uh, Ramondre being the guy, I think.
2: Well, and I trusted our boy, Matt Harmon, um, and thought Ramondre Stevenson was just a better back when they drafted him in, in the yeah, NFL I, draft.
0: Yeah, and I I actually think Stevenson might be better.
2: I mean, he looks really good. Um, But uh, if you own both, and God hope you do, because if you don't, it's really bad. I'm starting Damian Harris until probably Thursday night. We get a more clear understanding of it,
0: but it is. But, Bill Belichick. But, but even Thursday, like it's possible Damian Harris, not not to freak you out starting Damian Harris, but it's possible Damian Harris is limited. Uh, only plays, you know, 30% of the snaps, has five, seven carries, something like that. And then we get the, that oh, his first game back. We just mix them in. He'll be more involved next week. I was like, okay, now we have to wait a whole nother week. We have to take this jump again and and see which side is which side is right. So I'm not sure it's a guarantee we get clarity on Thursday night. If Damian Harris is the guy more involved, I think we have that clarity that for now he's the guy. But if Stevenson's more involved, I don't think we should run with that after just one yeah. week.
2: I think my best advice is if you can get away from these two, is you get away from them as quickly as possible. I I am in serious consideration of starting Deontay Foreman over Damian Harris for those interested in my dynasty team.
0: I wouldn't do that. Okay. Uh, my my last one here, we're going to move to New Orleans. And I just want to know what we think of this situation uh, the rest of the season because it's it's not looking so great. It already, I mean, they didn't have a ton of guys on offense to begin with. They lose Jameis, which, you know, Jameis, not great, still better, or at least provides more upside than uh, Trevor Simeon does. There was that glimmer of hope that Michael Thomas might come back. Like when he's back, that's, that's probably going to help their offense. Like, like Jameis had Mike Evans and, and Chris Goblin, both fantasy relevant, like, He's going to be good enough to to where Michael Thomas is fantasy relevant and it's going to help the other guys. He's not coming back. Obviously, everyone knows he's on the PP for the whole season with uh, the same ankle that he's had for like uh, 14 months now. So now your top receivers are Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, and Marquez Callaway. Guys who would not be starters on a lot of other teams. Guys who might not like is any of those guys in the top six uh, on the Bucks? like the Bucks are the standard, but still like – are any of those guys cracking the top six on that team? Probably not.
2: Probably definitely not, actually.
0: And as I mentioned, Jameis dumb for the year. Now you have Trevor Simeon, and you have Taysom Hill, who's probably going to mix in. And my main concern, obviously, because uh, he's really the only concern that you should have with with all of this, is for Alvin Kamara, because he you know he's the RB eight right now. He's he's been banged up. Let me look at how many games he's played out. Remember if they've had their bye. He has, so he's missed two games. Yeah, so he's played eight games, RB8. Like, he's had a great season. If you look at points per game, he is uh, – he's the RB4 in points per game. So, he's been awesome. But my concerns. The Saints are a really, really slow offense. Really slow, really deliberate. They don't run a lot of plays. And when they do, they run the ball a lot. So, like, not terrible. Like, the is still getting touches. But – He's at a career low four receptions per game. So he's not getting the kind of touches that you're used to as often. He's had three or fewer receptions in half of his games this year. And just because of that factor alone, that factor coupled with, I should say, the fact that that the offense isn't very good. And so the rushing, even for as good as he is, the rushing is just not efficient. His ceiling is just a lot more dependent on touchdowns than it's ever been in his career he was a guy that was a lot like McCaffrey who where you know McCaffrey didn't even have a touchdown the last two weeks or last week especially and he's still 20 plus points like that should be Kamara but I don't really think that's the reality anymore given the situation and the team that he's on and then you look they bring in Mark Ingram and in the two games that those two played together those were Kamara's two lowest snap shares of the season like, he still out-snapped Ingram. he still got a lot of touches. He still had 18 points against the Falcons. Now, I will say, if you look at that game in particular, he had a touchdown very late in the game, which they, they still count, but, like, he went a long time in that game where you thought, okay, he's going to have, like, nine points this week. Like, this is really bad. So he, he he saved his week with some big plays down the stretch. But I don't know. You you Now you have Ingram, who is cutting into that workload a little bit. I, you know probably a little bit like with Aaron Jones like it's it's not like the Saints are guaranteed to make the playoffs but they just want to they don't want to run their guy into the ground basically so you have that factor too on top of just not not a good offense and then i mentioned Taysom Hill like they're saying he's going to be more involved i have no reason not to believe them because they have proved plenty of times they will give Taysom Hill the ball and they will give it to him inside the 10 quite often so like I think Kamara is a great player. He's gonna be very good for your fantasy team, but can he overcome his situation enough to still be like top five great rest of season? I'm not so sure about that anymore. Yeah, someone in
2: this podcast had him down as a bust. Um, I so. mean, he's he's the, he's
0: the RB four, so he's a season's not, a bust. not
2: over, buddy. Okay, he's not, he's not he, unless he gets hurt,
0: which he is hurt right now. But unless he, like, misses a serious amount of games here, he's not going to finish, like, as the RB20.
2: Yeah, well, and what he's doing is he's making up for his inefficiencies in the pass and run game with touchdown equity. He has nine touchdowns on the season through rushing and receiving. And, I mean, again, I agree that I think there should be concern about the involvement of Mark Ingram for for you as an owner because historically this has always been a two-back backfield but historically, you also had Drew Brees, who was highly efficient and yep. could move the offense. And no longer can they do that. And Sean Payton is a smart enough coach. To well, he that- would move, he would move the
0: offense, and he would you know dump it down the Camaro. Yeah. And like I still don't get why they aren't just designing plays constantly for him to catch the ball at the line of scrimmage and to help out their bad quarterbacks. But they're not. Like the, I said, four receptions per game, career low. He's had half his games now with less than three. And this was a guy that. We joked about it like clockwork. 81 receptions, 81 receptions, 81 receptions, like his first three years. I don't know what he's on track for right now, but it it can't be that. No, I don't think it's even close to that. And his
2: one big blow up game, which is really elevating, you know, his scoring was Seattle, where he got 10, 11 targets and 10 catches. Mm-hmm. And since then, you just haven't seen it. And I mean, Mark Ingram looks like he's having a late career renaissance back in in <laughs> New Orleans as well. Uh, so all in all, I think. Uh, Kamara probably you, you would want to factor him in as a top six running back week to week, but he probably is closer to like a top, uh, like a low end RB one rest of season because so, of the way this workload
0: is running yeah, out. I, I completely agree. And on the topic of his receptions real quick before I get out of here, he's has in, in eight games, 32 receptions. So if he took that at a 16 game pace to match up with the previous years and you know, it's he, he played 15, 14, 15, 16, So he didn't miss a lot of games, but he still missed a game or two a couple of those years. He only has 32 receptions this year on pace for 64. He's never had below 80 before. So it's just been a different role for him this year. And a scary role. I mean, we always want passes in
2: targets in fantasy football because they're a cheat code, especially in PPR and half point
0: per, per reception leagues. And I'll I'll just say this as a closing thought. There, there's there's a reason why our our friend of the show and and guest Eli Berry has been upset with Sean Payton this year. Not just because Eli has Camaro on his fantasy team, but because he wants the Saints to win, and the way for the Saints to win is to give their only great player on offense the ball and to give it to him in better situations. You know, AKA pass them the ball and let him get out in space and and make his make magic happen because he clearly can. So I, it's been frustrating if you're a Kamara manager this year and with no reinforcements and Michael Thomas coming and now the Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill show at quarterback, I'm not feeling top five running back from here on out. Me neither.
2: And I think we should end the show with some NFL trivia for you and Johnny.
0: Oh, God. In the month of November, which two teams in the NFC are unbeaten? in the month of november well did the lions have a bye week the week before last week because they just tied are the lions one the lions are one <laughs> <laughs> it's not the packers the the John did the nine the niners had a bye week the
1: week before right is it the niners it's not the niners oh man i don't know i don't know i i don't know why you're asking us this, this question it's the
2: Washington football team and the Lions. Uh, the NFC I, is stacked head to, head to toe, top uh, to bottom.
1: Thank you for that. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, it's been two weeks of November. Yeah, well, two under- I was
0: I yeah, and I Thanks. should have known because they they just came off their bye week and, and beat the Bucks. Well, what better way, what better place to end the show with trivia about the Lions and the Washington football team? That's why you listen to us, because we we bring you the entertainment, and that's gonna do it on episode fifty-four. Of the half point for podcast give us a follow twitter instagram tiktok at half point for pod all that stuff is in the handy dandy link that johnny puts in the description every week uh all, all those links and the newsletter link in there as well and yeah if you follow tiktok you will see things like the travis kelsey video before i before i play it on on the live show now that i know i can play those videos so easily on here i might have to make a make more tiktoks listen to us uh we will see about live stream as always it's a very week-to-week day-to-day type of thing but we'll for sure be back next week to talk about what has been just a wild nfl season and i'm sure this weekend will bring us no shortage of interesting topics to about. But until then best of luck this weekend and we'll talk to you guys